Women, they're the bomb. I'm calling it Women Rock Sunday because we rock. Come on, we rock. Yes, all the women who rock. That's what I'm talking about. Well, my name is Eden. For those of you who don't know me, I have been at FAM for a year. Now, I think it's going, yeah, a year now. I've been the worship director here, and it's been such an honor to be here. I love all of you guys. But I just want to thank all the women for allowing me to speak today. Thank you for choosing me. You guys are crazy because I don't know what you guys are doing. And thank you, Pastor Brian, for allowing me to come up here as well. Uh, but just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm from Chicago, the best city in the world. Sorry, Florida people, but Chicago's where it's at. Um, I grew up there my whole life. Um, I have awesome parents. Um, I grew, my parents got divorced when I was uh, at a young age, but through all of that, I still remained in church. I still, I worshiped since I was little. This is all I know, and this is what I love. Um, I just love worshiping. I love singing. Um, I have a, a sister. I'm the oldest of three. I have a sister and a little brother. They're awesome. I love them. And um, I'm out here for school. I graduate in April, and so I'm so excited. Yes. And then I get married to that guy over there, Vito. So if you guys are, it's just an exciting year. It's really exciting, and, you know, I'm so happy. And so, um, yeah, that's just about me. You'll, you'll know more. I'm really crazy. I'm goofy. And, um, but thank you guys so much for allowing me to speak. And before we start, um, I would like you guys to look at this video. What if I told you Jesus came to abolish religion? What if I told you voting Republican really wasn't his mission? What if I told you Republican doesn't automatically mean Christian and just because you call some people blind doesn't automatically give you vision? I mean, if religion is so great, why has it started so many wars? Why does it build huge churches but fails to feed the poor? Tell single moms God doesn't love them if they've ever had a divorce, but in the Old Testament, God actually calls religious people whores. Religion might preach grace, but another thing they practice, tend to ridicule God's people, they did it to John the Baptist. They can't fix their problems and so they just mask it, not realizing religion's like spraying perfume on a casket. See, the problem with religion is it never gets to the core. It's just behavior modification like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat, but it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me. Acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken, which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin. Because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on Him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, He looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion and for it he called them fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? 
Now, let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention, how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man, which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, he yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it. I love that video. It's so powerful. And many of us, we, you know, we say that we're Christians, but do we really know what that means? Because being a Christian is being Christ-like. And some of us, we're all about the religion aspect, the rules, the laws. You can't do this, you can't do that. But that's not what Jesus was about at all. And it reminds me of when Jesus came down and, and the Pharisees were, you know, they thought that they had it all together. They thought that they would be, in the eyes of God, that they would be number one. Like, I got this. But once they saw Jesus speaking to the prostitutes, having dinner with the sinners, they were like, what? What are you doing? You're not supposed to be with them. And when it comes down to it, the Pharisees didn't have the heart of Jesus. And that's what we need to have today. And so my sermon is called King of My Heart. And... My question for you is before I start is what does it mean to be a man and a woman after God's heart? What does that look like? And today we're going to be looking at the story of King David, a man who was named God after a man after his own heart. And I pray and, and I hope that by the time you guys leave here that you would want that. That would be your desire to be a man or a woman after God's heart because that's what we all should be desiring. Amen. Amen. And so if you guys can stand with me as we read God's word. We're going to be reading from 1 Samuel 16, 7 through 12. And I'll be reading from the ESV version just in case. And it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And I'm going to skip a couple verses. And we see Samuel, he goes to Jesse's home and he looks at all the sons and he's just, you know, I can just imagine they're all standing in a line and he's just like, okay, mm, no, 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 not you, sorry. 
And then we go to verse 11 and it says, then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down till, till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. If you guys can bow your heads as we pray. God, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for this time. God, I pray as I begin speaking your words, God, I pray that you use me and that you will speak through me. And whatever you have for your people, God, that they will listen and that their, art, their hearts will be open. And that by the time we leave out of here, we would be wanting and desiring to be men and women after your heart. And that you would be the king of theirs. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. And so if we backtrack from when David is anointed as king, King Saul was the king. And um, in that story, before David is anointed as king, King Saul was given a command and he was told to wait seven days for, for Samuel to come and give him um, the command on how to defeat the Philistines. And seven days passed and King Saul took matters into his own hands and decided, I'm not gonna wait for Samuel. I'm gonna do things my own way. And with that, he disobeyed God. And Samuel was like, you're a fool. Why did you do that? Why couldn't you just wait for me? Why couldn't you wait for God? And he didn't. He got scared. He wanted to take matters into his own hands. And at that point, and at that moment, God stripped him away of his title. And he said, you are no longer king. And there begins the story of King David, a man after God's heart, because that's what King Saul didn't have. He didn't have the heart of God. He was selfish and he had his own desires in his mind. And so the first point that I have for you guys this morning is that God is not looking at the outward appearance, but he's looking at, at the inward. And we see that in, in, in the passage that we just read, God tells Samuel, when you look at the sons, don't, don't get um, messed up in the eyes at how they look. And I can just imagine all the all the sons, they were like, oh yeah, I'm strong. I got the best abs, the best muscles. I got, you know, the best title. The, I, I guess in that time they had the longest hair. You know, I had the, the best hair. And God was like, nope, nope, nope. And Jesse, he's like, no, these are, I'm pretty sure he's like, no, these are my, these are my best men. These are my sons. Like they, they, have, they can do any job. But God was like, no. And he was like, is there someone missing? And there was David in the back, tending to the sheep. He was young, probably looked all dirty because he was always with those sheep, always helping, doing whatever he can. And even his own father didn't even think, oh, let me have him line up. He didn't even see that he was worthy, but God did. God saw his heart and he looked at the inward what was inside and saw his heart. And when people look at you, can they see that you are a man and a woman after God's heart? 
Or do they just see you by your title? Do they see you by what you do? Do they? Because that's what we're supposed to be. When people look at us, they're supposed to see something different. We should be glowing. They should want to know what we have. And so that's what David had. There was something about him that shined more than the, more than the other brothers. He had a relationship with Christ. And are we seeking him? Are we wanting that? When people look at us, they need to know that we serve a mighty God. But when they look at us, they need to see that we have a heart of God. They need to see something different in us. Amen? The second point is having a genuine relationship with God. If we want to be a man and a woman after God's heart, we have to have a genuine relationship with Him. A genuine relationship with Him. And if we look at back all the things that David did, I mean, he fought Goliath, this big old huge dude. He fought him. He killed a lion and a bear. I mean, like this guy was crazy. He did all these things and it wasn't him. He couldn't do it. But because he had a relationship with God and every day he was seeking his face, he was seeking his presence, he was able to have this boldness, this strength that he could fight anything because he knew God had his back. Nothing fazed him. He's like, no, I serve a big God and you're not gonna come at me. And I know that with him, I'm stronger. And so when, once we have that genuine relationship with him, all those things begin to grow. And see, we are all called to be like God. Every day we should strive to be more and more and more like him. And if that's not what you're doing, then there's something wrong. We're not of this world. And we need to remember that. And sometimes we think of our relationship with Christ as a checklist. I went to church on Sunday, check. I went to Bible, on, Bible study on Wednesday, check. I did an outreach, check. I read my word, check. I prayed, check. But where was your heart in all that? When you prayed and when you read your word, was there a genuine wanting and desire to know who God is more and more and more? When you came to church, were you excited or was it a drag? When you go to outreach, you should be wanting to tell people who God is because of what he's done in your life. Where is your heart? We need to have that genuine relationship with him. Because even, you know, I'm guilty of it. There's some times where, oh my gosh, I forgot to read the word. Oh man, I forgot to pray. Oh this, oh that. But when we're making it a habit every day, and not just a habit, but when we're wanting it every day and disciplining ourselves, when those times when it gets dry, we keep pushing forward and pushing forward and our relationship with him grows stronger and stronger and stronger. And the beautiful thing about God is, I'm sure the, the elders of this church, they've been you know, with Jesus for a long time. They've been serving him and still, there's still more to know about him. Every day is a new adventure. Every day is a new thing. It's not old. 
You don't, you can't know God in one day. He's that, he's that big and he's that great. And so every day you need to keep seeking him and seeking him and having that genuine relationship with him. And I have this illustration here. You guys like illustrations? Can you guys hear me? Okay. So this is us. This is our heart. And our heart is the center, and our whole body is the center of everything. It's what pumps blood to all of our organs. Without it, we would be dead. And so the more that we keep filling things that don't need to be in our hearts, lies, gossip, things that we shouldn't be seeing, it begins to overflow and seep. And so if we're putting bad things in our heart, things that shouldn't be in there, we're going to die. This is what pumps our blood. But when we put things that should be in there, the Spirit, His Word, His love, His joy, it begins to overflow and it becomes contagious. And that's where our heart should be, overflowing. I mean, we sing songs like, fill me up till I overflow. It's taking the things out that we shouldn't have in, inside us so that we can be more like him. Amen? We want to be more like Christ. And we need to make sure that we're putting things that need to be in our heart, not things that shouldn't be, that are causing us to die and move further and further away from God. Because that's not where we want to be. The more we put good things in us, his spirit, his love, his joy, reading the word, seeking his presence, the more it comes out and people see that. And it goes with what's on the inside. It comes out. People are like, man, you're different. That's what people should see. They shouldn't, you shouldn't just say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. They shouldn't be like, oh really? You are? I didn't know. If you get that, you better come to the altar quick because like that's not how it should be at all. People should know who, what you're about and who you are and that you're for the Father. Amen? And so my second point again is you, we need to make sure that we have a genuine, a genuine relationship with him. If we want to be a man and a woman after his heart, and we see that a lot through the book of Psalms in everything that David did when he was angry, when he was mad, when he was happy, when he rejoiced, he was always communicating with the Father. He was always talking with him. And you could see that through the whole book of Psalms. Do we do that? Or is it just when we need something? When we're happy, are we telling God, God, thank you. This is just a good day. When we're mad, God, I'm not having a good day. When we're frustrated at our family, they're annoying me right now, God, give me patience. God should always be in our mind. He should always be in everything that we do. Not just when we need him. 
We should need him all the time. Every single day from when we wake up till we go to sleep. And my third point is that we should always, always smell like sheep. That's funny, right? Always smelling like sheep. Some of you guys have goats or sheep. So you know what that smells like. But when David was anointed as king, he was with the sheep. When he killed off the lion and the bear, he was with the sheep. When he fought off Goliath, he was with the sheep. He was with God's people, the Israelites. He stood forward to fight off Goliath for God's people. And so the sheep represents the community, Mulberry, those who need us. We should always be smelling like sheep because that's what God, God's heart was for the sheep. God's heart was for his people. And if you don't have a heart for the people, then you need to check yourself. When asked to do things for outreaches or an asset to just tell people about who he is, you should want to do that. When you see someone hurting, you should want to go after them and let them know that we serve a God who can heal whatever you're going through, who loves you. God's heart was for the people. Where is your heart? It can't be about you. So sorry. I know America, it's an I world, but we're not an I world. It's not about you. God didn't die just for you. He died for everybody else too. Where's your heart? Is it for the people? And I remember a story when Jesus was talking to Peter, he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? And each time he said that, he said, then tend to my sheep. And sometimes we make it really complicated, but all we're supposed to do is to love God and love people. Love God and love people. Empty hell and fill heaven. That's all we're supposed to do. And we overcomplicate things. And there's always this song that comes to my mind is, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Yes, break my heart for the things that break your heart. God, break my heart. Break my heart. The things that you feel, I want to feel it. Your people that are hurting, I want to feel that. And it's not just to have compassion. It's not just to feel what they're going through, but it's to have action. Not just to say, oh, I'll pray for them. And yes, prayer works, but what are you going to do? Get up, go. God was always on the move. Always for his people. And we need to have that. Where is our heart? Do you go to sleep feeling the burden of mulberry? on your hearts, the burden of Florida, the burden of the world on your hearts. 
Because every day that's what God's doing. He's always thinking about his people hurting and crying because his people are hurting. And that's where our heart needs to be. Our heartbeat needs to match his. And if it's on a whole, a whole different level, then you're not with him. We all need to be on the same heartbeat. And if you can stand with me, God is looking for a man and a woman after his own heart. He is looking at all of us. Can he count on us? Can he count on you? Do you desire to be a man and a woman after God's heart? And not only that, is he the king of your heart? Because if he doesn't rest there, then we have bigger problems.